Welcome to the Harvest Church International, a place of transformation through the Word and the Spirit. Enjoy today's message with Pastor Brad Tuttle. Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let, in order to do that, in order to do those things, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise, and that word despise means loathe, scorn, hate, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. To know wisdom and instruction, all these things, to receive instruction, to give prudence, let the wise increase in learning, obtain guidance, but it's all based on one foundational thing, and it all starts with the fear of the Lord. So the title of our message today is simply, Where Has the Fear of God Gone? Where has the fear of God gone? I thought about that word fool. What is a fool? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What is a fool? Went through the Bible. Each one of these does have a Bible verse that can be connected to it. There's probably other examples. What is a fool? What is a fool? Well, first of all, a fool obviously does not have the fear of God, nor then do they walk in true wisdom. They will never walk or give out the wisdom of God. A fool can never give you godly wisdom. They don't have it. They despise it. What's a fool then? That's a great Labor Day message, isn't it? What's a fool then? Aren't you glad you came? What is a fool? The Bible says that there are these type of people. They deny God. They deny Jesus as God. They reproach or blame God. They mock at sin. They despise instruction. They are self-sufficient. They are self-confident. They are self-deceivers. They are mere professors of religion, not possessors of relationship with Christ. They are given to meddling, i.e. snooping, nosy, intrusive. See Proverbs 20, verse 3. They are slanderers. They are divisive. They are sowers of discord. 
They are liars. They are slothful or lazy. See Ecclesiastes 4, 5. They are a grief to parents. See Proverbs 17, 25 or Proverbs 19, 13. They trust in their own hearts. Their mouth pours out folly or foolishness or recklessness. They hear the gospel and they don't obey it. And the Bible says to avoid them. See Proverbs 9, 6 and Proverbs 14, 7. So to have knowledge, true knowledge, it has to be founded on a fear of God. Somebody say fear of God. Well, what's the fear of God? I'm not talking about, we're not talking about today the fear of God that comes from impending judgment or a fear of going to hell. We're not talking about that type of fear of God today. We're talking about the type, we're talking about the fear of God that should be inside of every true believer that's been planted there by the Holy Spirit. Every true Spirit-filled believer will have a holy fear of God that lives in them and is shown from their life that's brought there by the Spirit. Every true believer, and you're always going to hear me say most of the time, true, I use it, I think it's an adjective or an adverb, true believer. We have a lot of people saying they're Christians and live everything other than a Christian life. So it's a fear of God. Well, what's the fear of God mean? This is the hardest thing to do because if we don't, we're never going to, we, we have to start getting this now. We, <laughs> to be honest with you, the, fear, the Bible calls it the fear of God. We, wanna, we, we try to smooth it out, but it says the fear of God. Um, but in a sense, or in essence, the fear of God that we're all supposed to have in us is a holy reverence for a holy God. Please hear me. Our God, I said this before, in the Hebrew, I think it's called a triagion. When, when, when God is described, you've heard this before, it's never, God has never said, we always want to say God is love. Obviously, you wouldn't have sent his son to come and die for us if, we, if he wasn't a God of love. But it never says God is love, love, love. And it never says God is peace, peace, peace. But in the Hebrew, through the Old Testament, you'll hear God described as God is holy, holy, holy. So God is a holy God. And if you can only imagine, I mean, I've gone golfing before when I used to try to golf. And I remember going on the golf course before with men who did not know what I did for a living. And I just walk out to the first tee and you know, and get out there and they, you know, they stick you with somebody. Now you're with two or three other guys. You don't know them from Adam. And men don't talk very much. They don't talk real deep. And women will talk about, I've been, I've been going through this. 
Men just like, they just like, hey, where do you, you know, how old are you, you know, whatever, you know, it's, they don't say much. They don't really care about anything. But all of a sudden, they'll be cussing and effing this and bombing that. And all of a sudden, they'll get like three holes in and go, hey, by the way, what do you do for a living? So I, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a minister, I'm in the ministry. Oh, man, I am so sorry. I got to watch my mouth. Well, there's kind of a sense of, well, you must be a holy man. And that ain't nothing compared to the holiness of God. And y'all, I'm telling you something. <laughs> if it came in this place right now, every single one of you in this room would be on your faces. Unless you're a complete reprobate. You'd be on your face. Repenting for every single sin you've ever committed and those that are in your, in your life right now. God is a holy God, and that's the kind of reverence, the fear of God that should be in us. That's how we're supposed to think towards God. He's a holy God. Every true believer should display a holy reverence, I believe, for all things God. So what do I mean by even further, what does a holy reverence mean? Well, it's being in awe of God. If, if the president walked in or, my, or a favorite football player, I'd be like, hey, that's cool. Or whoever that some people think that is, a, is somebody of esteem. Uh, but, man, we, we're not in awe of anybody but God. That's, what, that's, what whole, that, that's a fear of God. It's an awe. It is a capital A, capital W, capital E. I am in awe of God. We're all supposed to display that. God is not the big man upstairs. He's not just your friend. He's God. He's God. He's God that's holding his wrath back off the earth right now for the last person to be saved before he unleashes hell on this whole place. That's God. It means having an ultimate respect for God. It's having a heart of intimate worship for God. It's an attitude of amazement toward God. It's a complete devotion to God. As I sat at my desk, this is what the Holy Spirit was giving me. It's a, also to have a fear of God or a holy reverence for God, it's then supposed to be coming out of you and a hatred for evil. It's a profound understanding that he is God. I would love to see everybody get saved, but everybody won't get saved. Everybody will not be in heaven. There's a very narrow road that leads to eternal life. The Bible says that few will find it. It's a huge, wide road, the Bible says. It's a wide road of destruction. It's broad, and many will find their way there. But as Pastor Todd said earlier, every, every single mocker, every single one that has jested against God, that has mocked God, that has tried to turn people away from God, there's coming a day when, when every single person will recognize who God is. And those of us who know him, does anybody in here know him? Oh, what a day. What a day. Revelations 19.5 says, And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. So, to have true knowledge, 
You'll have true knowledge because of the way you reverence God, of the way you fear God, of the way you view God. You'll get knowledge because what you're going to do is it's going to now cause you to do things that are godly. When you don't reverence God, you're not going to be moved towards godly things. You're going to be moved toward flesh. So when you have a fear of God, you're going to gain the knowledge of God because of the way you reverence God, which in turn will give you the wisdom that you need to act right, talk right, repent right, and react right. And it all starts with the fear of the Lord. preaching in here one Sunday several, several over a year ago, and there was a man in here who come, doesn't come here anymore, it's maybe a year and a half ago, and I mentioned the word fear of the Lord, and I guess not knowing or anything, but he came up to me after service, said, can I talk to you about something? And you need to go talk to those kids, you know, I know when you said fear of the Lord, it just, I, it just scared all of them, and I thought, first of all, I'm thinking, no, it didn't, because I was looking at all their faces, and I know our youth, because I talk about it all the time. <laughs> maybe it scared you. <laughs> it did scare them. He never came back. Anywho. So the beginning of wisdom, you can't have wisdom until you first build it on the foundation of, of, who, of how you see God. Because from that, you now gain wisdom that helps you live like a godly person. Is anybody tracking with me? Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But where has the fear of God gone? Where, hang with me because I'm going to say, I'm going to say some things I'm gonna, that I wrote down that the Spirit gave me to write down. But I, these, are the, these are the areas he told me to say. Where has the fear of God gone in our homes? Where has the fear of God gone in our homes? We don't care what we watch, whether it be on TV or whether it be on the computer. Because there's no fear of God in the homes of believers, seems like in many cases anymore, they don't have they they begin to make unwise choices. Because if you don't have a fear of God, you're going to do unwise things, like fill your mind full of garbage from the television set or the computer. Where's the fear of God gone in our homes? Some of us need to either cut our cable out or cut out some channels. My goodness, folks, think about with Jesus, if he was sitting next to you, would you still watch what you watch? And you say, come on, pastor, quit preaching on all this stuff. That's old school. Is it old school? I'm being told to tell you what I'm being told to tell you because God wants you guys to be as effective as you possibly can be because somebody lost needs you to act right. You can't be salt and light out there if even in our homes we're not walking in a holy reverence for God. Where has the fear of God gone in our homes when we don't care what we do? And you said you were glad you're here, so hang with me. We have young people who are disrespectful to their parents in their homes and parents who do nothing about it. Now we've produced, because of no fear of God in the home, now we produce young people have, who have no respect for authority in any shape or fashion. Not in school. 
They come into our, let's for, say for example, they could even come into a kid's church of a, of, a, of a church. And because they've not been taught authority in the home, they walk into our kid's church and they act like heathens. And now our people don't want to serve back there anymore because you got kids that have no respect for authority. Even Tony Evans said, what's happened to the world today? Used to be you'd walk down a, a, a sidewalk and if there was a group of young people, they'd move out of the way and respect the older man of God. Well, now they won't even move. We got kids running rampant in their homes, disrespecting parents, not listening to parents. put this on tape or not, I don't, the wisest book in the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Where's the fear of God gone in our homes? Oh, help me today, Holy Spirit. No fear of God. So we live within the walls of our homes as unwise hypocrites. Proverbs 15, 16. Oh, what a beautiful verse. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. It's better to have your kids sit down, Bailey, and eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as long as people are respecting God rather than to have all the gizmos and the gadgets. And you're afraid, oh, no, Johnny, I don't want oh, if Johnny's acting up, take his stuff away from him. Where is the fear of God gone in our homes? And because there's no fear of God in our homes, we act unwisely. No fear of God, no wisdom. Now we have parents not dispensing godly wisdom. You can't, and I, and I, I pray for, I hope Oprah gets saved. But you can't watch Oprah Winfrey and get godly wisdom. You get it from the, God, from the word of God and from people of God. People who are connected to God. And through Christ in a relationship. Where has the fear of God gone in our homes? Where has the fear of God gone in our marriages? I'm just giving you what I was told. Husbands mistreating their wives. Selfish. Demeaning. Insulting. Not loving their wife like Christ loved the church. Loving everyone else at work with everything they got and they come home and they give their wife third and fourth and fifth best. That's unwise acting. No fear of God in your marriage. You don't behave right within your marriage. No fear of God in a marriage and your flesh says, oh, Susie looks pretty good. I'll tell you one thing. There is no, the grass is not greener on the other side. It's nothing but astroturf. It's a lie. You married her. Treat her like Jesus. Where is the fear of God gone in our marriages? Ladies. You wives and wives disrespect. The Bible doesn't even tell the wife to love her husband. You don't have to love him. You're just called to respect him because men want respect. And one of the ways I've seen wives act unwisely within marriages 
is how they insult their husbands in public, how they cut in public. You want to do damage to your marriage and act unwisely in a not fear of God? Cut husbands down in public around other people. You ever been around that and heard that before? You ever been around the talking that people do to each other, around, out in public around each other? The Holy Spirit has given this to me, and no, not everybody's here today, and maybe there's other people that need to hear this, but you know what? He, here's the thing I always say, and when I walk away sometimes, I left my wife, man, man was, I, was I too hard? It has nothing to do with me being too hard. It's because the Holy Spirit loves you. God loves you so much that he gave the Spirit to give me this to hit my perfect you. Hey, man, convicts me. My wife deserves to be loved. My wife loves me. I, don't, I mean, good night. Who am I to ever insult my wife or demean my wife when... No, no, not only are we one flesh... No fear of God, so we live unwisely within our marriages. They bring dishonor to God because we're bringing dishonor to each other. Where's the fear of God gone in our marriages? If you're going to leave, leave now before I get any further because it's going to get worse. It ain't me. I just, this all I've been given, so... Let me get some water. I need some water for the rest of this. So when you go home, married couples, think about it. Do we, do we, does our marriage act, does our marriage have the fear of God in it? Does it then portray us acting wisely with, in wisdom toward each other? In our homes, does our home have the fear of God in it? So it causes us within our home to, to act in wisdom in all that we do, young people and parents. Where's the fear of God gone with our money? I don't be preaching on money. Where's the fear of God gone with our money? God gives us our job. Can I get an amen on that? He blesses you with the ability to pay our bills and buy our favorite recreational toys. Amen. I want a bike. I got two new knees, and I'm ready to not just ride a bike at the gym. I want a bicycle. And I'm going to ride around town with a football helmet on my head with a big cross on the front. And I'm going to have a t-shirt that says, follow me to the Harvest Church. And I'm going to ride my bicycle around. I, you know. God blesses us with the finances to pay our bills, and y'all got stuff you got, and you got all kinds of things you want. And God, God blessed you with that. Get the laughing out, because here it comes. He blesses us with the ability to pay our bills and buy our favorite recreational toys, but we withhold the tithe from him. We don't pay our tithes. We, with no fear of God and a complete lack of wisdom, spend our tithe on our vacation, on our kids' sports needs, or on our desires. 
I believe that the tithe is holy. I believe that if my vacation's coming up and I have a tithe to pay, I take my tithe money and I set my tithe money aside until I either get back from vacation or I'll somehow figure it out where I can bring it to church early before I go on vacation. But, oh, God, I will never spend that tithe money on my vacation. I have seen this. Then people don't live in wisdom because they have a not fear of God in this area with their finances. I've seen this in the 25 years I've been in church. Then they cry and pout. They quit coming to church. They get mad at God because they're not getting what they want when they want it. No fear of God, no true wisdom to handle your finances right, your money properly, thus you spend it all up, and you go in debt, and you don't have enough left over to give to God. Amen? The tithe is holy. And for everyone's information, I said it early, but I wrote it down. I'm going to say everything I wrote down. God not only deserves a tithe off your gross, the top 10% at least, he expects it from his children. And as a matter of fact, listen to Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the what? The bottom part of all your, of all your produce. No, it says with the first fruits of all your produce. In other words, that means the best of what's been produced. You're supposed to give the best. It says in verse 10, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be busting with wine. Then. Man, if there's one thing I could tell a teenager who just starts getting a job, no matter what you're doing, cutting grass, cleaning the house, whatever you do for money, I'm telling you something. If there's one thing I can tell you to do, start tithing right now. Start giving 10% to the church right now and watch what God can do. I don't believe, if I was a parent, I would never teach my child, well, because you're a teenager, you don't need to tithe. Oh, my goodness. First of all, that term teenager is goofy anyway. They're young adults. They ought to know how to give, and they ought to be giving off what they're earning. And if I was a parent, I'd be screaming at my child, did you tithe? Did you give? Man, what a principle to teach a child. Where's the fear of God gone? Their finances. Where's the fear of God gone with our mouth? I'm just giving you what I was told. Where's the fear of God gone with so-called professing believers who cut their brothers and sisters up with words from their jealous, prideful, unwise, flesh-controlled mouths. I've lived in church, y'all. Got saved in 1985, and I started going to church the next day. And it's one of the things that, that, that amazed me more than anything else. I, all my life, I did team things. I'm in the military. I'm people rallying around, you know, you're in a team, I was a deep sea diver, so you're in a group of, you're in a team thing where people would, you know, give their life for the other person, and it's, I don't know any better, I'm not a Christian, 
you know, and I'm, I'm involved in all these things that, that, that this, is, this is what I thought it was supposed to be. I'm supposed to lay down my life for this person. And all of a sudden, I get saved. I get into the church. And because God, because I always, because thank God, I always had a level of maturity that kept me from reacting the wrong way. But I was never, never, I never failed to amaze me how I thought that in the body of Christ, all I knew was when I read the Bible, God talks about the army of God, be a soldier, be a good soldier. We're supposed to see ourselves in a body of brothers and sisters. It never failed to amaze me that within the body of Christ, within the church, people slice, 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 slice. Slander, gossip, unkind words. Leaving wounded soldiers on the battlefield. I did a message one time. I've told you before. You haven't heard it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I was, in a, I, was on I was on staff at this bigger church. I used to do a lot of illustrated sermons. Almost every week I did it. Man, they, we'd see so many people come to Christ. And God gave me this. Un, this was awesome. But I did one. He gave me this one about I came out and I wheeled out as a soldier in a wheelchair that had been wounded in battle. I had a bray on. I came out with fatigues. And, and I talked to them. They introduced me as a guest speaker. And the church got dark, and the spotlight came down, and I wheeled out in a wheelchair. And I talked to them as if I thought that they were people because they went to church, that they were solid with each other, that they worked as a team, and, and they would never leave each other wounded on the battlefield. Because I talked about how I was wounded, and my brothers picked me up and rescued me and got me to safety. And I said, I know you guys know what that's like because you're Christians, and I know that's how you act too, right? And then I wheeled off and left about 10 minutes later, and I came back out to preach, and I brought out the wheelchair, and I set it next to me over here to the side. I said, I want this wheelchair to represent all the wounded soldiers that you've left on the battlefield by the things you've said. Had an altar call. Hundreds of people came forward. Kneeling at the altar. I believe in kneeling at the altar. I believe in coming to the altar and kneeling down and crying away you're repenting. Repenting deep. And I watched people repenting for what they've said to other people and their conduct and the way they've cut each other apart. Where's the fear of God with our mouths in the church? Matthew 12, 36, as I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. If you don't have something good to say about somebody, then shut your mouth. Proverbs 6.16-19, 6, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste running to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. No fear of God with our mouths, so we act unwisely, we speak unwisely, we talk like sinners do. But we do it 
wearing a banner of Christian draped over our shoulder? Where is the fear of God with our mouths? I'm not even dealing with cussing. I'm just talking about the things you say about each other. Where is the fear of God gone with our mouths? And lastly, where is the fear of God gone in the church? Where is the fear of God gone in the church? Where is the fear of God gone in the Where is the fear of God gone when two so-called evangelical pastors of large churches in America Where is the fear of God gone in the church when they will link themselves intimately with a new age spiritist and have a huge conference and invite all the Christians to come with music and everything and banner it with this is a Christian event and letting someone come and speak in the pulpit, so to speak, who's a new ager and believes that all roads lead to heaven. Where is the fear of God in the church? Believers here, okay, y'all, how many of how many of y'all, you're still glad you came? Okay, I'm giving you what I got. I'm, I, I said, oh, God, I don't want, this to, I don't want to read this part. I don't want to do this part. But maybe it will help somebody. Where is the fear of God gone in the church? Remember, fear of God means we act unwisely. If you have to go to the bathroom right now, don't get up and go, I'm going to think you did it because I said this. <laughs> I'm going to read what I was given. Can I do that? Where is the fear of God gone in the church? Believers, mm, I'm just going to do it because God loves you. Believers coming into God's house consistently late. Where's the fear of God gone in the church? We, or we come into the church with an attitude that resembles that of someone who hates going to work. Where's the fear of God gone in the church when we walk in our church with an attitude that we're ticked off, we're negative, we're lazy, we're complaining, what could you do for me, entertain me, not wanting to receive what God has for them? Where's the fear of God gone in the church? It causes people to act as so-called believers in such unwise ways, the Spirit says to all of us. Where's the fear of God gone in the church? Believers, because of no fear of God, thusly living unwisely, complaining and griping about the church. They serve and then they complain about where they're serving. Can I be really honest with you? Do you, do people, I don't say, do people realize that when you complain, you're not complaining against me. You're complaining against God. It's his church. If you don't want to serve there, don't do it. It's better to save you from complaining. Where's the fear of God gone in the church? Where's the fear of God gone in the church where we have people who subversively get disgruntled in the church, they then go visit another church, they then come back to the church who they think they're disgruntled at, and they start talking to people at, this, at the church they're originally at about how great the other church they visited is, how much peace they have there, how wonderful it is, and they start, don't people understand that causes, that is a, that's an abomination to God. That's sowing discord. 
Oh, every ministry that I was ever a part of, when I quit the power team, I walked in and told John, I said, I mean, I, I, mean, it, I walked in, I sat down as a man and said, John, God's called me. Well, I didn't go there and then walk out and go, oh, I'm going somewhere else that's even better than this. Come on. Oh, that's so divisive. If anybody ever does that to you, you got to look at them in the mouth and say, you better shut up right now, man, because you're in a bad place. Man, where's the fear of God gone in the church? Causing division amongst the brethren. Where's the fear of God gone when we treat the church with such disrespect? Where's the fear of God gone in the church when people... because of being controlled by the flesh, disrespect the leadership in the church. I've seen it all my Christian life. Can I give you a verse? Y'all with me? I know y'all come back. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Do you realize about what it says about, listen to this, and I'm just, I hope, am I, am I, am I out of order here? No, I'm in the spirit. Do you realize the word of God says in 1 Timothy, let the elders, elder, who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching? Do you realize it's saying that the man, the preacher, pastor, teacher, is worthy of double honor? Some think that's, on, some think that's connected to finances, but they also think it's connected to respect. And I've watched people disrespect. My goodness, folks, we just talked to somebody on the phone, a pastor's wife. Her and her husband went overseas on a missions trip. And while they were gone, there was a man there who had like an Absalom spirit on him, if you want to give a name to it. He liked to gather the people around him. He tried to befriend everybody with money and gifts, and that's how he would concoct people in. And while they're gone on a missions trip, we just heard this two weeks ago on the phone. While they're gone, he's gathering the people around him. And when they come back, he took that group of people and walked out of the church with them. Where's the fear of God in the church? Where's the fear of God? This is, this is a holy place. So we tell people, if this was our church, we tell them, don't, if you're going to smoke, don't smoke outside this church. That's a holy place. We don't have a fear of God. We're not built our lives on a foundation, so we act unwisely. Where is the fear of God gone? Why do we see so much dysfunction in people's lives in the church? Because we have people who are living out their Christian lives with no deep respect for God. And if you don't deeply, deeply, profoundly respect God, then you're going to live your life not out of an, not out of an aspect of when you, when you respect God, you then begin to live your life according to godly principles. Because if you love God, you're going to love his word. If you love his word, you're going to live out of the word. If you don't respect God, if you don't have a reverence for God, you're not going to build your life on a foundation of true wisdom. Yeah.
This is Pastor Brad Tuttle. I am so glad you decided to come and join us today. I pray this message encouraged you, challenged, and empowered you. Come join us anytime. And if you're looking for a place to worship, come and be with us. Spend some time with us on a Sunday morning. We start at 10 o'clock. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.